I'm a zombie. I've been bitten. You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Zombies Ate My Podcast. This is the one and only place for you to tune in for the zombie survival preparations. Uh, That might not necessarily be true. We know there are other places. But hell, this is the only one that features the busy zombie lord himself, Lou Page. Hello, Lou. Howdy, howdy. I should probably mention I'm Ryan Murphy. And uh, I'm joined by Sir Louis Page of the busy zombie lord clan. Yeah. Hello, good sir. Not too bad. How you doing? Uh, you know what? I missed you guys. I haven't listened to last week's episode yet. I need to get around to it. It's been a crazy week. Uh, I apologize to folks for the late posting. That was my bad. Uh, and and we should also tell people this week Bob is out. So it's yes, just sorry. Me. Yeah, Bob isn't being like dangerously quiet. He's just he's working tonight, and uh, he told us to soldier on without him. So that's exactly what we're gonna do. And we're gonna start off with some news. Has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. First up, I feel like we've been talking about this for a while, and uh, man, but Telltale has, does not want us to. Leave but it speed. does now have a release date. Yeah, The Walking Dead's third season from Telltale, A New Frontier, is coming this November, which is, I hate to say this, Lou, right around the corner because it's September yeah. now. Not only is it right around the corner, but it usually they give you a little more lead time than this. It seems almost like they're just dropping it on us. Yeah, I mean, they've been talking about it for a while, and then over the summer there was, like, some trailers and some screenshots. But this uh, shows off the two characters that you'll be playing as, both uh, Clementine Returns. This is set four years after the outbreak events of Season 1. You'll play as Clementine, as well as a new character, uh where is it javier 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 thank you caviar javier javier (laughs) i'm amazing with names everybody it stands you just have to remember javier badem from the bond movie oh right javier that 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 that's that's how you remember it is he gonna have uh, a gun that is basically one of those like air guns i don't think so no well, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I'm. I, are you looking forward to this? I feel like season two kind of ruffled some feathers, and and certainly the Michonne series. Um... I really liked season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I didn't like the last episode or two. It, but I liked the way it ended. Yeah. Um. With the, at least with the ending I got, and this is. I'm definitely interested in this. I do not want any more Walking Dead Michonne. So if I play the first episode of this and it screams Walking Dead Michonne, I don't know if I can soldier through another another few chapters like that. Yeah, and I'm like they have to they have to give me good storytelling, and Michonne was bad storytelling from beginning to end. Do you feel like you wait for reviews on this? Then, like, is that something we're doing? I don't know. See, not, I don't know yet. I don't know either. I mean, I feel I like... I think I'm going to need to see a trailer. Yeah, we, that's true. We have yet to see a, an official trailer. There's been like the 30-second teaser, but no real trailer just yet. And I, I feel like once The Walking Dead, you know, marketing machine gets going and, and Walking Dead Prime returns, I feel like that's when you get your Walking Dead uh, Season 3 sort of premiere trailer. Um, I don't know if they're going to like... <laughs> I hate to say wasted, but I hate to say, you know, they're not going to use airtime for Fear the Walking Dead two months before release with this, with the, uh, with the Walking Dead uh, Prime coming around the corner. They want to capitalize on those Negan numbers, but uh, speaking I wouldn't of, be surprised if we don't get a, the trailer during, premiering during an episode of Fear the Walking Dead. It would be nice. I'd rather have it sooner rather than later, but the thing for me with Telltale Games, and I've expressed this uh, on both on this show and on the Gamers Inn, 
You need a new engine. They definitely need a new engine. This does not look like they have a new engine. And the Batman game, they said, oh, yeah, it's totally redone. A lot of work went into it, yada, yada, yada. But still, that game suffers from performance issues. And I just can't take it anymore. Like, there are so many games out there. And, you know, I have... have, uh, Like, we're all busy. And I just... I don't have a lot of time to play video games. And when a game is subpar... I, I can't waste time on it. Like, I, there's just I, so I, many I, other games out there. I, I agree. Uh, well, let's see what the... Uh, maybe we should see who what, how reviews go. Yeah, and I mean, the Batman game got reviewed fairly well, so sometimes I don't... You gotta do a mix. Like, I don't necessarily all-out... Trust is a weird word to use, but I all-out don't... Um, really follow the editorial reviews because see i had like no just... i had no technical issues with michonne mm. my issues were just with the game itself but even then I... it reviewed pretty you know it was it was lower than average telltale scores but it was still pretty high like higher it was than like a I five out of ten. Oh yeah well maybe yeah you're right. um, it did the most people were like eh, you could skip it yeah yeah the batman game's getting good reviews for story but it's getting like, panhandled, like just torn apart by Steam reviews. So I don't know. I don't know what to say, but uh, I look forward to seeing how this thing plays out. And speaking of seeing how things play out, new ta- new trailer for The Walking Dead, focusing on Negan, uh, was released. I think last week, but this was reposted. Yep. yep, new trailer with Negan, and of course, we still have no idea w- what who's dead and who's not and they can tease us all they want about negan we just want the show back yeah you know and they're not going to show us they're not going to hint at who negan took out they're just not going to do it and i think i'm past the point of even expecting that but there is some iconic scenes portrayed in this trailer that i know bob would have been squeeing about like the extended uh look at him through the gate like that sort of silhouette i think that was really cool um (laughs) So, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Should we be taking bets on whether or not they even reveal who's dead in the in the premiere? Oh, they are. We already know that. They've said they've said like the it picks up right after. Like we are going to yeah, find out. It it may have picked up right after, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to show us who's dead. No, they they uh, I if you want to take that bet by all means, but I am telling you right now like they are they are going to continue right like they're going to continue from basically where they cut to black instead of the cut to black they're going to show him beating the living crap out of someone like that's what they're doing like i think that's it to think to think other than that you you're you're getting into reddit territory like you're getting into let's boycott the show type stuff like they're not going to do gonna that bo- i'm not going to boycott but I, I, I part of me thinks that they they might hold off a little bit and not begin right where it left off uh, i don't know man that like to pull off the the cliffhanger is one thing but then to like rub it in our noses a little bit yeah but just think yeah. about how much press they'd get for it they won't do that i'm i i'm not gonna put anything on the line because i don't really like to do that but they they won't do that that that's a crazy theory that i think we should yeah I, honestly, I hope they really don't do that because that's a great way to piss off even more people. I think people have come around to the, you know, the the cut to black sort of like hidden cliffhanger. I think people have come mm-hmm. around to it. I certainly have. Now that we're a little far removed and we're closer to October than we are to the actual like season finale, but I'm um, not. I'm still free. Sh- I'm. St- I still think it's BS, but that's fine. It could be worse. I'll it take could it, be, I, it, it. Yeah, I know. I'll it, take what I can get. It could be Fear the Walking Dead. But we'll get to that. True. We'll uh, get to that. What about a, a traffic sign that warns you about a specific uh, part of a zombie's body? How does that make you feel? Uh, when I when, you, when I saw this article, I thought, this is deja vu. Didn't we see this before? Yeah, it, it definitely looks very similar to a previous uh, clip we've, we've seen. But if you actually watch the Instagram video, it goes a little further than just zombies ahead. It's like, uh, and this is a, this can be a blue show from time to time. So it starts off pretty innocent with road closed ahead, then goes to zombie dicks ahead. Protect your vagina. Use condoms. I feel like, from a hacker point of view, 
I don't know. Like, is he trying to like do a message? Is it like an STD awareness campaign? Is that what's happening? Uh, it feels like a gag that they someone probably took a little too far. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely illegal to hack traffic signs, but when the Ottawa Citizen covers zombie genital traffic sign hacked, that's like the Ottawa. Ottawa is their capital of our country. This would be like Washington D.C. like covering something like this, which is pretty crazy. Way to go, Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa's something else. Um, I, again, probably nothing going on that day that they had to cover that. But uh, you're right. When I first saw this story, I was like, we've covered this before. But then the specific nod to zombie genitals, I think, is what sets it apart from previous uh, traffic sign hacking. Um, but yeah, let's close out the news with a very... It's been a very Walking Dead heavy show. Uh, but we're well, going to continue. because there's been some weird news about Walking Dead. Yeah, there's been some interviews, there's been some sort of highlights, and, you know, we're getting closer to uh, The Walking Dead Prime return, and Fear the Walking Dead's here, so we're getting a little more, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, you may remember, I know we have a lot of listeners <clears throat> that have been going into our backlog and sort of, uh, you know, doing something that we told them they should not do. Uh, you might remember a specific skit we did where it was uh, Zombie CSI Miami or something. And... Yeah, and apparently that was not far from what NBC actually wanted when they pitched the show to them. Yeah, they wanted to do a zombie procedural crime drama where zombies and, might not even be in it. Yeah, where apparently uh, the one of the executives w- said outright when the script was pitched, uh, do they have to be zombies in this? Yeah. I, honestly, let's think about it. How would you have done The Walking Dead without zombies you can't yeah unless, you literally can't and le- like you could do it for maybe one episode where it's like someone was brutally murdered and we just found this like nod corpse what the hell happened now, if you want a perfect example of what nbc does with shows uh watch um the uh, you can find it on hulu and i'm pretty sure it's another thing on, on you can find it online pretty easily watch constantine and the pilot of that show is drastically different from what you get episodes two and three Mm -hmm. and by the end of episode four it's like a completely different show this cast this characters that are barely in the show after that point that were in the first few episodes and like they've been like almost four episodes in they like almost recast the whole damn show Mm -hmm. and that's what we would have gotten from nbc and it in it's drastically it, it tries to be authentic to the comic book but you can tell where NBC was like, no, we can't have this because that's not what people want to see. That's not what people want to see. That's not what people want to see. And I, it just goes to show you that a lot of TV, like mainstream TV networks like NBC, CBS, they're kind of not in touch with what people want to watch. Yeah. So how do you how, – how would you have felt like we wouldn't obviously have – we wouldn't even have anything close to what we have now if Walking Dead was on NBC. And you kind of have to give it to AMC for saying, like, okay, let's do this right. And they have. I think over the last six seasons, they've given us a show that at least satisfies some of the hardcore comic fans. And I think that that's huge these days. Like, adaptations are hard, you know? And they're really hard to do right. Like, look at Game of Thrones in comparison and- to Warcraft. You know? Right, it, and and also you have to look at Preacher, which is pretty much borrowed right from the same vein as Walking Dead, and it is based on a comic. And I will tell you right now, as a big fan of Preacher, AMC made big deviations in the plot to mm-hmm. Preacher, but their deviations of the plot matched the Preacher was a '90s comic, so they couldn't just set the comic in the '90 um, the show in the '90s. It wouldn't make sense. And they've brought modern technology and other things into the show, and they've taken what was it would be be a smaller idea of like the first two issues and stretched it out for an entire season so that you can identify with the characters better going forward. And it, it's really clever, and that's what AMC did. Where where Walking Dead has made deviations from from the comic as well it makes sense mm-hmm. they don't they're not they're not trying to sell you a bad product they're not trying to mass market this they're telling you a story yeah 
I'm ah, man, I cannot wait for the return of The Walking Dead and um it's not far away. It's uh it's about just over a month, so we're very close. Uh, and I think if you want to watch a zombie procedural, they in this article they actually suggest iZombie, which is returning soon as well. Yes. Yeah, I uh, um, I, I have not I, touched season two. Uh, I think season three is going to begin in about the next three or four weeks. Hmm. Okay. Well, and I, I will uh, tell you. I will tell you as someone that this, you said you haven't watched season two. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Season season two is a hundred times better than season one. I honestly just—it's funny. Um, I don't have a lot of like free time. Not free I know, time. Man. No, no, no. That's not what I'm trying to say. I I don't have a lot of like. Okay, this is a show that Ashley would not want to watch. And oftentimes, like with work and video games and podcasting, TV time is sort of like us time. So The Walking Dead sort of gets a pass because it's for the podcast. Uh, but you know, iZombie is a harder sell, and I actually thought iZombie would be something that everyone could appreciate. But it's just the it's the eating brains thing. It's gross, uh, and I don't think there's actually like tearing people apart in iZombie, from what I remember. I uh, there is in this current season. Oh, okay. Well, I do need to get back to it. I really appreciated the first season. I dug it as sort of like an extra piece of content. I also have to finish watching Ash vs. Evil Dead. Like, I am behind Yes, you do. Yeah. And that returns soon as well. That's uh, end of October, right? Uh, yes. Man, you know, October is like our month. This podcast is... I love October. Forget that. September is our month, too. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I guess this is going to be a little news article that I, that that isn't in the notes, so bear with me. Um, Browsing both Amazon and Netflix, they've added a bunch of shows and th- movies this uh, this month. Um, Cooties and Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse are uh, now on uh, Amazon Prime, and Dead Set, a British miniseries that's uh, it's a zombie related as well. It's a, I think it's six episodes or eight episodes. Uh, that just showed up on Netflix, and there's more zombie stuff coming later in the month too. Yeah, I saw that pandemic was on Canadian Netflix, and I was like, ooh, but it's got like one star, which is yeah, stay away from it. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a bit. That's much. the one I told you was awful. Oh right, right, right. That was the first person one that you yeah. didn't really. It, think. It's it's not even worth watching. We need to watch Scouts. Uh, versus the zombie army or whatever. Scout, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. That looked yes, like we, a fun romp. I, I can honestly say I'll go in depth later on, uh, but I have watched it and it is good. Oh, okay. Well, it's maybe. not It's not the greatest thing since... In, sliced bread? Uh, sliced bread, but <laughs> it, it compared to a lot of newer zombie stuff that we've watched that isn't on TV, it's actually really good. Yeah, Okay. Well, I will have to check it out. It, it looked fun in, in from what I saw. You know what? That's going to do it for news. Obviously, as we head into the fall and winter months, there's going to be a ton of news. We're going to get back into the old Walking Dead media farm, so look forward to that. But until then, let's talk about the other Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead. Zombie Topic of the Week. Uh, today... We're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 10. Uh, obviously, I was away last week uh, for Episodes 8 and 9. Now, I again, I didn't listen to the episode. Did you guys go in-depth? I can't remember. It was a oh, longer yeah, we episode. Oh, yeah, we covered both episodes oh, in-depth. So just to give everybody a, a, an idea, what's your quick take on the last two episodes before this one? I felt like the return of The Walking Dead was much or Fear the Walking Dead, was much stronger than any episode in the previous season. Uh, the first two episodes felt very good, and I'm still not particularly fond of Nick's sort of, like, craziness and his ability to find crazy people. I, I understand that this is showing sort of another aspect, and obviously, you know, um, different religious beliefs will you know have people respond to these sort of crises in a different way and i don't know i i i kind of 
it's interesting as you learn more and more about this this community that Nick's come across in the first two episodes in that it's less of a cult. It's sort of part cult, part, you know, if someone's dying, they feed them to the wall to keep this defense mechanism up, which I thought was kind of like a very grotesque uh, uh, moat, which was uh, is very interesting. Um, but no, definitely two strong episodes and some of the best uh, in in Fear the Walking Dead history. And I love what they've done with the hotel. It's the first the, the the end of that second episode was the first time I actually felt tension, and it actually had a solid cliffhanger where Ophelia's gone missing, uh, Strand and uh, Madison are Madison. trapped. Yeah, and uh, Alicia's like uh, stuck in a room. The sort of you know play on oh man is Ophelia gonna commit suicide and then she goes out and she sees bodies fall and it's just like zombies being attracted to Strand's drunken piano. I just thought that's a cool set piece and probably the first time that this series has had a set piece with this hotel and I'm digging or, it. Hey, or the, it's the first time they've had a believable set piece. Yeah, like the boat. I'm glad they got rid of the boat. I, I feel like they could have done more with the boat um, in, in instead of it just disappearing. I thought that was kind of cheap. I hope it comes back or... Oh, no, it's gone. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like It, it, it being gone is believable because that's just how this universe works and like anybody could have just gone out to the boat no problem um but yeah i'm glad it's gone because it was i thought it would be interesting but it didn't actually turn out to be so but um yeah first two episodes very strong looking forward to where these characters are going and i feel like i'm finally starting to care about these characters as i feel more tension uh, watching them try to survive, uh, which brings us to this week's episode, which is called Do Not Disturb, and solely focuses on the hotel. Plus, uh, finally, Chris and... Um, what's his face? The dad's name? Shit, Travis. Thank you. So uh, tr- what do you want to talk about first? Because obviously we've had some conversations in our ch- uh, Slack chat as we plan for this episode about Travis and Chris. Do you want to start with... Uh, no, I uh, think we should start right where the episode begins, which is, okay. I think, one of the coolest aspects of this episode. Okay. Is it starts with a flashback of the hotel before the outbreak happened. Like, the yeah. outbreak is literally happening while they're there. And... um. There's a wedding going on, and one of the, the, the bride's parents expressed to the, the, the woman running the hotel that they think that uh, there's a, a viral outbreak, and they think they want to get their friends back across the border before uh, and get them home before things go bad. Yeah. And the, the woman goes, okay, we'll do that. She tells her subordinate, go get, go get the cars get them ready this that and the other thing and then lo and behold they're doing the dance with the bride and the and the father has a heart attack and he goes from heart attack to to zombie in like zero to 30 and lo and behold we got an outbreak in the hotel and as soon as you see it the the the, the woman who's running the hotel locks them all in a room and at that point, it looks like at least a dozen of them have been bit, or at least three or four. It's spreading so pretty quickly. Like It's people spreading are... really quickly. And so she locks them in the room, and that's when it cuts forward. And you have uh, Alicia run into her in the hotel. Ho- uh, Alicia's trying to get away from the zombies in the hotel, mm-hmm. and she climbs up a floor using the elevator. And the woman a floor up rescues her, which is the hotel manager. Yeah, and I, I just want to touch on the flashback a little bit more. Just the fact that showing that flashback, they didn't need to show that. And usually when a show does show something like that, it can be done in a way that feels very cheap. Like, oh, you didn't quite grasp what we were trying to show you. Let's show it to you. And it was done in a way that was, was very satisfying and, and really helped uh, sort of tie the episode together especially at the end when you get that reveal of of what the hotel manager actually did and and is trying to combat um when she's talking to uh, alicia but yeah that that reveal of how it started and how the hotel manager reacted was just very awesome and sort of ties into the sort of mysterious um 
I don't know, like sort of just haunting vibe of this wedding just just looked like it stopped mid mid wedding, you know? And you, you, you could picture that in your head and then seeing it actually happen, it's like, oh crap. Like that's how it actually went down. That's kind of really well done. It's really well done and one of the things I've always I've always enjoyed about zombie stories in general is people's backstory. Where did they come from? How did they get there? What was their first experience with the undead? And we get that with her right up the bat. Yeah. That's I mean that's literally how they begin the episode. We so have a you whole know story. that her you, we know her story now and we know that she obviously she's going to be around a while. If we've introduced this to us like this, then we know that they're not going to kill her off next episode. Yeah. Cuz there was no there's no point in to us. She I mean, she could die later on in the season. Yeah. But it doesn't make any sense for them to give us this really cool backstory and then kill her off in the next episode. It was really so, well done. Like, probably the best introduction of a new character in this entire series. Yeah. Um, except for Strand, I would say. Strand was really well done in the first season. But, uh, yeah, so uh, continuing on that front, like, I, I, the way that... Uh, Elena sort of introduces herself and kind of goes nuts saying, like, where's my nephew? Where's Hector? Uh, where are the others? It kind of it, throws it, you off. It throws you off, and your first thought is, oh, she's gone crazy like some of the others. Yeah, exactly. And then and then as she talks to Alicia, Alicia and her sort of come to a sort of understanding that they're not going to get out of this situation unless they work together. And so they work together to solve their problem of, getting up and down in the hotel surrounded by zombies and Alicia ends up being the bait so that they can lock zombies in the room and use the stairwells yeah she actually puts a lot of trust in Elena which I thought was I was worried was going to backfire and it actually worked well it's nice to come across a character that isn't batshit crazy right and at two or three points they, they, they make you think oh no She's going to do the thing that everybody in this show does. And they're going to stab her in the back. They're going to stab her in the back. They're going to stab her in the back. And they, they make you think that for about a half a second. And then she helps her. Yeah. Which you're like, nice. Which is good. And, it, and it, it makes more sense than what we've been getting. Like, earlier on, we had the stupid pirates on the sea. And it was like, really? The, the world goes to hell in a handbasket. And, like, three days later, we've got pirates at sea. Really? Already? Like, people aren't just trying to stay alive. They're, you know, already started to be dicks to people? Okay. Like, not and just dicks. Like, you, you, a dick is cutting someone off in traffic. This is, like, these are people who are legit, legit trying to murder you for supplies, like, two days yeah. into the apocalypse. Like, not cool, guys. Like, at least right. wait a couple months. Right. And now we're getting... And now we're getting another caring character. Sure, she has done something bad. She locked all those people in that room, trying to contain the situation. But as she ju tries to justify it to herself, is she had the rest of the people in the hotel to worry about? Yeah, which makes sense. There was a lot. It, I mean, I, I, I couldn't. It'd be tough. Like, how do you make that call? And this is what makes it. This is what makes it the first great set piece. Is like you have this character. She made a conflicting choice. Either decision is tough to make because when you really think about it, like what you try to whisk people out, it's like they don't know what's going on. Someone just bit right. another person. What are you just going to like convince them to leave them in there? Right, and not only that, but you don't know who was bit or not. You could be letting out somebody that's already bit. Yeah, so it's tough. And and she made a call that she thought was right at the time, and obviously she feels bad about it because she breaks down. But um, after they get to the ground floor, basically uh, Alicia's trying to find. Uh, Strand and her mother, uh, they don't find her, but they do come across the other people, uh, the other surviving hotel guests, which consists of the husband and the mother-in-law, uh, which are not very happy campers with Elena. They, they, it seems like they blame her for killing them, but like, have they just been battling this entire time in the hotel or did she do something recently to piss them off? I, I didn't quite catch it that. It seems like they can't get out of the hotel without her keys. Oh, uh, they're not trying to get out, are they? They're trying to kick her out. Yeah, but they're trying to get around the hotel, and and they want her to leave. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. They need the keys to do anything. Yeah. I, so, I thought that was a, it was an interesting aspect. And now Elena's still trying to keep these people alive, as is, you know, sort of illustrated in the way she talks about, you know, her other guests and how many are still alive. But you're right. Like, obviously, they have a grudge against her for a lot of good reasons and don't want her around. It's, it's the first conflict we're introduced to in this series that makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect she, sense. She made a call that maybe you or I wouldn't have done. But she made a call. And she had to make a judgment in the beginning, and while it was a bad, it was a bad thing to do. She did it for the right reasons. In the meantime, the people that she left to die managed to live, and now they hold a grudge against her. And yeah. it totally makes sense. And it, it makes sense. And it it's the first it's the first scenario that we're getting like this in this show that isn't uh, isn't just absurd yeah crazy people going crazy way too soon yeah you know and um when they are confronted alicia convinces her to give over the keys but then opens up the door and uh, where these zombies are and that gives them the chance to run away as these zombies chase the survivors and um i thought that was also pretty clever and in, in the fact that alicia could have just said like look you can take her kick her out i have no allegiance to her i can just go off i just want to find my mom and the other survivors aren't interested in hindering alicia besides saying like look we're not going to stop you from trying to find your mom we just want elena to leave like that's that's their goal so the fact that alicia sort of paired with elena on that one was interesting to kind of keep well, that if you no. think about it at, at several points elena could have left alicia to die yeah and she didn't so it, it's almost like she felt like she owed her one is my my was my take yeah for sure and i really i really all that was set up very well that whole hotel sequence was very good and it was believable to a certain extent when they ran down the hall and uh when they run down the hall and then find strand and madison uh sort of miraculously not drunk anymore (laughs) Like they were, well, they they looked a little uh, tipsy, but they looked like they managed to get out of their situation. And I get a guarantee in the next episode we get a little clip of how they get out of their scenario. Yeah, and the pre- yeah, like you said, the previews for next week kind of show like they'll start off with how they got out, and that's that's fine. I'm fine with that because I feel like that's a that's a hole that's missing, and they can address it next episode. Totally so, cool with that. So. Now we got to talk about the bad part of the episode. Uh, okay, let me just address that a little bit. You say it's the bad part. I would say it was okay to for for the most part, except for you know what? Actually, I actually kind of dug it in the sense that it's it's it, excuse me, it's leaning into Chris's descent, uh, which is which is much better than uh, what happened with Carl, where he magically gets better. You know. Um, uh, mentally wise, you know, so uh, this episode focused on and kind of jumped between Travis and Chris traveling through the Mexican countryside and the hotel bits. So now we're going to focus on that. And and my my first thought is with what we let were left with Travis and Chris was Chris was still kind of crazy, and Travis was like chasing after the crazy Chris. And in this, it shows them on a highway and they're in a car and they're kind of like doing the buddy road trip thing and they're chit-chatting and they're making jokes and they're talking about what's happened to the world. And it's like it's like father-son bonding time in the zombie apocalypse. And it's really neat and it made me care about Chris, which mm-hmm. I didn't before. Yeah. And it made me, made, made me go, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, you know. Maybe Chris is starting to grow up. Maybe, you know, maybe he's going to listen to his dad for once who has some pretty clever ideas. Okay. And so their next stop is they stop for supplies. And I think Travis is putting gas in the car. He's trying to hotwire it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. He's hot, trying to hotwire a car. And he sends Chris to go find food or supplies. Well, he's Chris- being he's being sensible, right? He's saying you're going to need to do this eventually. Let me show you how to hotwire a car, 
then you can go get supplies. But Chris is hot trot. He wants to go and for some reason, like that's the issue. He's 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 being he's being very Carl season three, I, I think season three or four, where he's I got to prove myself to my dad, and my dad can't hold me back. Like I'm the best. I'm even though I'm a little kid and I can. Learn I don't a even lot. I don't even get that vibe from him. I get he's an entitled kid who's gotten everything he's ever wanted. And now, even though things are falling apart, he's still trying to get everything that he wants. Maybe. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of that there, but there's something mentally wrong with him. I do not get that he wants Travis to to, to, uh, think of him as a man or appreciate him. I get the distinct impression it's he just does what he wants. And, yeah, but there's and some he, things he does at the end of the episode that is not him doing what he wants. It's him clearly crying for help. Like he needs he needs assistance. Like there's something wrong with this guy. He's not coping well, right? And he's just a kid, right? He's supposed to be, I think at this point, he's supposed to be fourteen or fifteen. Which is a kid. I mean it if you is remember, a kid, but yeah. and, and and you're going to be messed up as a kid. But he is older than Carl was when the show began. Yeah. You know? But maybe Carl had a better father figure. <laughs> like let's let's also be honest on that front. Like Travis True. is awesome, but he's he's not fa- going to win a Father of the Year award. Like you're right, Chris is kind of like a spoiled brat, and you know we got that sense. And and really like in the time we live in now, like it's very easy to spoil your children because that's just the way we live. Like yesterday the power went out. It's like what the fuck do I do? The power's out. Like. I could go outside, but it's like 40 degrees, so I'm just going to sit here and wait for the power to come back on. Like, that felt very weird and uncomfortable to me. And that's what happens when, in this scenario, and we and, and they really lead into it in this episode, with the people they come across, which are these, they call the tourists, like these Americans. And, yeah. um, I mean, we're skipping ahead a bit, but the way they interact with them, those guys are like yeah, this is super cool. We can do whatever we want. It almost felt like these guys are Negan people in training. Like they would well, join it, Negan it, in a heartbeat. Well, exactly. That's my, that's my, that's my concern with where the show is going mm-hmm. is so Chris goes in to get supplies and he steals a, a, a big can of beans. I think it is. Yeah. And what he realizes that is that there's people already in the restaurant and Zombies are running around while these people are in the restaurant. Chris saves somebody, grabs the beans, and runs like hell. And gets in the car and tells his dad, we gotta go, 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 go. Right? And, you know, it may have been a bad decision. It may not have. But I do know he sees one of them has a gun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what freaks him. And it makes sense. Yeah. You know? If you see a stranger and you just uh, they they think you may have stole supplies or whatever, and you see somebody with a gun, you run. You yeah. know what I mean? It makes it, his decision made sense. But then what we find is they drive drive down the road. They eventually run out of gas. They end up having to pull off to the side of the road and camp. And lo and behold, the guys that he uh, stole the food from show up. Obviously, they're looking for them. Yeah, they don't say that, but it's implied, and uh, they come out. They end up having a conversation, and it's three college-age guys. Yeah, and they offer to help or whatever. And he goes, "You got some gas?" And he's like, "Not enough to spare, but we we'll give you a lift." And so it ends up being the five of them riding off into the sunset where Chris makes a really awesome observation. Hey, there's a farm over there. We might be able to get some supplies, some fuel, or some food. Mm-hmm. And and it, really clever clever idea. Okay, makes sense. They So they stop, and lo and behold, uh, what does one of them say to, to Travis? But, oh, yeah, you know, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. I could do whatever I want, and right then, right then and there, when you hear someone say something like that, it's like, oh, these guys are these guys, these guys don't care about anybody but themselves. Okay, so we've got little Negans on the on on the loose. 
this is these are not going to be good role models for Chris, who's already unstable. And what does Chris do every time they they want to do something? He tries to show off for them. Oh, it's like a me too, me too thing. It drives me yeah. crazy. And yeah, I mean, he again, he's a kid. He's trying to be cool with the cool kids, and it sh- it it shines right through. They did a great job, kind of like pairing that, especially when you know how unstable Chris is, and it's. And, and also you can see from Travis's point of view, like there's just something about these people that are off. Like they're not going to shoot me, you know, they're not quite there, but they're definitely not safe to be around. Like he can tell and I could tell as a viewer, like there's something off. There's the way they're like staring at you and kind of half smiling, you know, and it's just the, the, like you said, the they, things they, they're saying and... They're using you to stay alive at the moment, but the soon, the, as soon as you're not helpful to them... You're going to get a bullet in the back, and they're going to take your supplies and leave. Yeah, they're... And that's the vibe I get from them. I wasn't even feeling that. It was kind of just like it felt like, you know, it was was convenient to have them around in the sense that they weren't like, you know, Travis and Chris weren't helping, but it does help to have in numbers, and they did notice that Chris had a bit of a combat style to him, and, you know, like father, like son, kind of, that's probably what they're thinking. So, like, well, we need more strong able-bodied people so let's include them in our group and i think that's where they were coming from but you're right i don't think they'd put a bullet in the back of your head but they certainly wouldn't go out of their way to save you um right and you know they get to the farm and none of them are caring whatsoever about whether this is maybe someone else's land and travis being the observant adult notices three graves all female names and saying well clearly someone buried these people and someone's still here yeah, and and so he shows up and tells them, "Hey, you know, just so you know, someone might be here." And basically, the three, all four of them, their attitude is like, "So." Yeah, and I'm just like, and, "What?" And it's like, you know, their answer isn't okay, but we still need to survive. So let's take one of these chickens and leave. It's like, so. What the fuck does like, a chicken do for you? Like one chicken? Like that? That's that's one meal. Yeah. It, I mean, honestly, when you think about it, if they care, if they like thought, oh, yeah, you're right, they probably wouldn't have gone for the chicken and maybe just, I don't know, tried to find some food. Like, it's clearly seemed like there was, it was abandoned enough that they could like be loudly going through the barn chasing chickens. And you're right, it's just their mindset was way off and that like, who cares? It doesn't matter. And Travis is trying to explain, like, someone, we need to go. Like, this is someone's place. They could come back. This is trespassing. It's not right. And when the farmer shows up, there's a language barrier, and the tourists and tra- are... Right, and, and Travis speaks enough Spanish. He's trying to communicate to the farmer and pacify the situation. Mm-hmm. And the and the three, I wouldn't even say Chris. Chris kind of is standing to the side. Yeah. But the three guys all have their guns out, pointed at the, this the, poor farmer. Yeah, and they all have their guns out. They all point at the farmer, and they're antagonizing him. They're not trying to de-escalate the situation. They're trying to escalate the situation. And Travis is trying to calm it. And instead of Chris observing what his dad's trying to do, Chris reacts, and lo and behold, somebody gets shot. And what does Chris do? Shoot the farmer. Yeah. And, and he seems proud of it at the moment after he does it, you know. And Travis is on the ground, and so he's offering to help Travis up. And you could tell in Travis's face at that point that, you know, his son is a monster, and he knows it now. Yeah, and and he didn't just shoot him. It was just weird. It wasn't even self-defense. Like, the farmer, the farmer shot the guy in the leg because he was being threatened by three people. And I can tell you right now, based on the way those uh, tourists were being portrayed— they weren't backing down. They were like, you no, put your fact, gun down or we're going to shoot fact, you. In the, fact, the reason he shoots one of them is because he breaks the neck of a chicken. Yeah, which was like, oh, my God. It, it's just like cocky was, assholes. Like, what the hell? Can't we all just get along? Come on. Exactly. It, it, it was going back to the things about the show I didn't like. You yeah. know, the the... the, the, the the situation seemed forced. You know, I would have much rather have had a Chris and Travis story where they drove off into the sunset, figured some stuff out, 
did some bonding, maybe had an adventure where it made Travis and Chris bond as characters, mm -hmm. and this is not bonding them. This is separating them. Well, I'm even, calling it now. Chris is dead by the end of the season. Yeah, like even if even if this experience had been like Chris going, wow you're right, these people are bad and we need to get away and we should probably get away as soon as possible because... Uh, but you could tell it was not going that route just based on his reactions to everything the tourists were doing. And um, I, I agree with you, something is going to happen to Chris. Like, they're not going to... He's too young to become the big baddie and you know the groups are going to get back together. And I feel like... One of two things, like you, give me your theory because I think your theory leads into my rebuttal because I don't think we see eye to eye on where we think this is going. So what do you think is going to happen to Chris and Travis? My, my theory is, is that the whole series has revolved around Travis and Chris's interaction with each other, the, at least their storyline. And at every turn, Chris never does what his father tells him to, ever. And at every turn, Travis does the th the parent thing and stays by his kid, supports his kid's decision. When Chris tried to leave Madison to die, Travis took Chris's side and said, no, 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 that's not my son. That's not my son. And he's turned a blind eye over and over and over and over again to Chris's bad behavior. And my theory is, is that by the end of the season, Chris is going to make some bad calls that literally are going to put the groups of a dozen or more lives at risk. And the only way the situation ends is if someone shoots Chris. And I think Travis is going to have to kill his own son by the end. Or Chris is going to make a, one of those bad calls. It's going to backfire. And Chris is going to end up bit. And Travis is going to have to shoot him in the end. And it, it's, the only way I see this ending is the the storyline with this the only way they they sh keep showing this bond between father and son is that travis has to kill him at the end of the season yeah i mean um considering travis has already had to shoot his ex-wife and the mother of his child like i i can sort of see you know chris gets bit because he's being stupid or cocky or whatever and he gets overwhelmed and something bad happens like i don't hate chris enough to want to see him like get i would love to see him at least come back from the fringe a bit like i don't want like an andrea moment where she goes like full-on stupid what the hell is happening but i feel like that's what's going on with chris at this point yeah i mean but then the way andrea died was just yeah she got bit and then one of them had to put her down like if they're gonna do that exact same thing like I feel like that salvages Travis a bit. Like, he's still obviously going to be horrified, and you see it in the, at the end of this episode after um, Chris shoots the farmer, um, clearly to kill. Like, I mean, he was aiming, uh, and he got him. That was a kill shot. And uh, maybe not a zombie kill shot, but a kill shot nonetheless. And Travis is just destroyed by this. Like, he's lost. You're right. He's lost his son, and there's no going back from that. Like, once you kill an innocent... You're kind of well, marked. You have to remember from from what we saw that there is there is there is a parallel going on in this episode. Be when the outbreak began in the flashback sequence, Elena makes a makes a choice and she locks all those people in that room. You know, yeah. she locks in all those people to die. Mm -hmm. But she is doing that for in her own words to save everybody else in the hotel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it she's making the greater good choice, right? Mm -hmm. it, or at least that's the argument you can get. When Chris has made decisions, Chris has made the decisions only thinking of himself. You could relate to Elena because Elena's choice might be the choice you make. It might be a choice you have to live with the rest of your life. Chris is making these choices and making choices, and he shows no remorse for any of the choices he's made. In fact, he seems to get a kick out of some of the choices he's made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at this point, he just killed a man and he, he's helping his dad up off the ground, but he's not looking at the body on the floor and going, like, it's sad that I had to kill that man. It's like, almost like he enjoyed himself for doing it. Yeah. And that's been his behavior the whole point, the whole, the, the whole series. And 
the only way his story ends is with his death. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, he's either going to die or he's going to kill his father. And, like, it could go in the other direction, which I think would be more interesting. Like, if Travis is just... I think it's less interesting the other way. Well, I, I mean, in a way that, you know, Travis is unwilling, as a father, unwilling to part with his son no matter how damaged he is. Because, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like... I mean, obviously, my son isn't old enough for him to, like, talk back or do anything stupid. The worst thing he's done is poop his pants and it comes out of the diaper. Like, that's not his fault. You know, I'm not going to hold it against him. But, you know, I feel like this bond between father and son is uh, is more powerful, especially at, tra- at Travis's age, more powerful from the father's side than it is from the son's side. Like, I think the son can kind of, like, as we've seen, can kind of do without the whole like daddy time like he's he's rebelling he's a teenager he's happy to be away from his father from time to time whereas travis is like clearly like upset that chris is going through a rough time and wants to make sure he's kept safe and is constantly saying like no we can't do that no you need to come with me no these people aren't safe no don't go in the barn no don't chase the chickens like a little weirdo like he's not listening to him and travis is kind of like losing his patience but I but feel like no matter is, what, the, like, Chris but, is all Travis has now. Like, that's it. Right. Right. Yeah, Chris is all Travis has now. And I think if Chris, if Travis dies, Chris does not learn anything from the death. No. I, I mean, I agree, but I just feel yeah, like... I, Chris is a one-dimensional character at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree it, with that, but... He he's a one-dimensional character, and they have to give him some kind of depth if they're going to keep him around. And I don't think they do. He at this point he's been one-dimensional for far too long. The only way you can the only way you can handle his situation. Okay, so Travis dies to save Chris. Mm-hmm. So does that make Chris go and seek out the other group? I don't think so. Yeah, it depends on what happened. But I think you're right. Like Chris has zero attachment to anybody else in that group only attachment he has is through travis so you're right no if travis dies then chris just ceases to exist as a character because you know his only connection to the show is through travis because you're right chris is so far removed that he doesn't exist in the show without travis like i agree and Chris wants nothing to do with the other people. And there was a great line in the episode where he says, like, we need to be with people. Chris says that. And Travis says, we had people. We did that. It didn't work. You didn't, you didn't like it. And, and Chris just, you know, walks in the other direction. And, you know, I, I agree. Your thoughts on what is going to happen are probably more accurate than, than mine. And I think your, the best point you made was the fact that they're going to get close enough to Madison. I feel like they're all accidentally going towards Tijuana and uh, whether it's just because it's a major city center or whatever, but they're all sort of funneling there. And I feel like, yeah, something's going to, I don't think Travis is going to shoot Chris in cold blood. Like something's going to happen to Chris where Travis is going to have to put him down. Maybe it's like zombies are attacking him or, or something, but I, 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 my, my, my thought is, is that Chris is going to put a whole bunch of people in danger and Travis is going to have to make the choice of do I let my son endanger a whole bunch of innocent people or do I take him out myself? Yeah, and that I won't happen. Gonna, he, won't, he won't take him out. Like, he's not going to sacrifice his son for a bunch of people. I think he does. You think so? I think he's good. I think we've got how many more episodes for the rest of the season? Four more. Four more. I think over five the course more, of the next, sorry. I think over the next four or five more episodes, we're going to see Chris become even worse. Wow, I, I mean, and, I yeah. agree. I think he's going to become worse, but I mean, I just, I, I think Travis having to put down his son, like I could see it even like Travis not doing it, but him getting close back close enough to Madison where she does it, and Travis, like it creates a whole new dynamic in that front. But you know, knowing this show. They could try to just bring Chris back from the brink, you know? They could, but it, it, it'd be awfully hard. Oh, it'd be especially very hard, like especially this. after he tried to... He he literally watched Madison almost die and, and then took a knife into the room of Madison and Alicia and was just like, what? I was just standing here. It's like, 
he's creepy. There's something he he needed alone time, but clearly after one episode, the alone time isn't helping. Now maybe right. if he hadn't have killed the farmer, maybe more alone time would have helped. But him shooting the farmer was kind of like that point of no return. And, um, you know, even even with uh, even with Carl, with the governor stuff where he shot an innocent boy, like that was still governor people coming after the prison. So Carl could make that connection. Like even though it was an innocent kid, I, he still felt justified because he was on the other seam. And, and honestly, like, you know, they weren't setting a good example for Carl with the fact that they were already fighting and killing each other when they weren't walkers. They were just people. So Carl right. doing that to another another kid while a red flag still isn't as bad as Chris shooting an, un, a, an uh, undergunned farmer with a language barrier. You know? Well, and the other thing, too, is in the regular Walking Dead, the first time they kill a human, it is to survive. It mm-hmm. is because it is a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, it is obviously easy to, it would be easy to show that the situation could have been resolved without guns. You know what I mean? Well, it just required two out of the three tourists to put their guns down. But they were all, right. like, handcocked and ready to go. Like, I mean, there was no turning back. And, and the fact that Chris makes the shot will be very interesting when we return to that scenario. Like, it's going to basically be the three tourists and Chris against Travis, and Travis is probably, as we saw at the end of the episode, so horrified that he, he couldn't even take his son's hand to get back up. He's just standing there staring at this dead body and kind of thinking, like, what's my next move? He's now outnumbered four to one. Like, he can't just leave without them, like, freaking out, like, what are you doing leaving us? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he is in... He's in some trouble, uh, especially if he wants to continue to try and save his son, which I know he will as a father. But my th- my thought at this point is, if I was in Travis's shoes, which they won't do, what I would do mm-hmm. is I would say to the kid, "You go off with your friends. I'll be back here at this farm." Yeah. When you when you get tired, come on back. But see, he again, like the world is so unsafe, and sending your clearly unstable son off on his own with other unstable people is just you'll you'll always worry like you see what's happening to madison where at the end of the episode she she's reunited with leisha and just the relief that pours over her face as one of her children have come back is you know like travis isn't going to create a scenario where he never sees he possibly never sees or knows the fate of his son Um, exactly and i think that's what this show is setting up but poorly doing and that they have these adult kid relationships with broken families and non-broken families all there ready to be explored as relationships but doing it kind of poorly uh in comparison to walking dead prime where there's literally one major kid one major family unit and i still say that part of the issue is is that chris is just poorly written it's written like somebody that wasn't a teenager yeah. It's someone that thinks that this is how a teenager would react to the situation. Yeah. No, I agree. That's, that, that's exactly how it feels. And it's just, we can agree to disagree at this point, but I, I yeah. definitely think his character's gone by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely think that he's he's gone. I mean, there's no, like, I don't think I he think can come back. I'll tell you right now. I think one of the reasons why we're getting new people now, we're getting, we're getting, Elena and her nephew, and we, uh, it sounds like next episode we're going to get introduced to the wedding party again. Oh, interesting. That uh, the, the next episode is titled Pablo and Jessica, and I believe the bride's name was Jessica. Yes. Yeah. So I'm assuming the next episode is going to be about Pablo's story. It so would- we're getting. We're getting more characters. Yeah, and, and honestly, and, and, I... And we've been introduced to Nick's group and those people, and the only reason we're being introduced to new heroes is because they're going to kill off some of our people from season one. Yeah, and I, I think that where Nick is now, like, that group is the right balance of 
crazy and respect for what's going on. Um, like they aren't, they aren't like full blown nutso, but they're still respecting the, they're still respecting the fact that they're in a shitty situation. Whereas opposed to, uh, the, the little villa that they burned down, like everybody just fucking went nuts, which did not jive with me. The fact that Salazar just went crazy. Like that was this show for some reason, unlike uh, the walking dead prime just loves to do these like turn on a dime character moments. And then I know they're in an extreme situation and Chris's Chris, Chris was never turning on a dime. He was clearly having trouble with this for the last 16 episodes. So, but I don't know. I just, I want to see less of the turn on the dime stuff and more of the character development. Like don't rush to turn people crazy. You know exactly, and I and I think that I think they might be learning from the feedback they've been getting, and especially the show's drop in numbers. If you go all the way back to the beginning, the show started with ten million viewers, and last episode at two point nine. Well, yeah, it premiered. Um, I mean, just it premiered during a strong moment of of the Walking Dead Prime, and I could see like that ten million probably being a. A high number but like yeah from high sixes mid sixes to the three or four it's getting now like there's that dip but i mean we do have it renewed for season three so they're obviously you know aiming to tell a story so uh we have uh five more episodes after this which will air week after week until uh mid-october and then you, you uh, did we say it goes right into Walking Dead Prime, or is there a week in between? I can't remember. I think there's a week or two in between. Yeah, so there's probably a week in between, and uh, which will be a, a break that we'll we'll gladly take before more Walking Dead. And obviously, we're feverishly waiting to see what they do next with Fear the Walking Dead. I honestly, I can say this episode was the first time I felt tension and worry for these characters, which kind of maybe makes me think I'm starting to care about them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to see where they go from here. And I look forward to seeing, based on our discussion, how they wrap up this Chris Travis stuff. Because there's some interesting routes and there's some cop-out routes that I hope they do not go. Uh, my thing is, is whatever happens between Chris... I still think Chris is going to die by the end of the season. Yep. But the Chris Travis thing cannot go on for another season. No, yeah, it's been it's been been going on unless something unless they find a miraculous way for him to come back from the brink which i still think is possible i can't come up with a reason right now but knowing the way the writers the writers are capable on this show uh and you, you never know um but that's going to do it for fear of the walking dead great discussion lou uh, i know based on our slack conversations like okay this is going to make a good chat and i look forward to hearing what bob thinks uh based on this conversation but Let's uh, move into the closure of the show because we're, we're going a bit long. Good discussion, but going a bit long. Uh, let's look at listener feedback. Why don't you read this from Jonathan? Sure. Jonathan said to us uh, on Facebook, uh, Hey, have you guys covered uh, I am a hero? Am I a hero yet? Uh, you, know, you cover a lot of different zombie and media, and I'm still trying to catch up through our archives. Uh, I started from episode one. Uh, Am I a Hero is my favorite zombie story. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, I did read it for free online. Uh, Works great if you have Adblock on your browser. Here's a link to where you can read it, and we'll put that in the show notes. Um, It's definitely something I think I'm going to go through and take a look at. Mm -hmm. It looks interesting. But I I have not read that yet. Yeah, uh, I'm looking. There's a if you Google "I am a hero," uh, it's got it's got an IMDb rating. Is there a TV show? I think there's a TV show because it's got cast. Maybe there's an anime. I don't know. There's uh, probably an anime. No, there's a movie. There's literally a movie. "I am a hero" 2015 released uh, April 23rd in Japan. Two hours. You know what? <laughs> we might have to read the manga, but also uh, check out this thing with subtitles. It looks pretty ridiculous. Um, I'll, 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 I'll take it. Yeah, but uh, thank you for the suggestion, Jonathan. Uh, we're always and looking we, for more stuff to cover. And we should say Jonathan is a new listener. He has been t- messaging us on Twitter as he listens through the old archives, mm. which we still encourage. Please do not go back to episode one. Please don't. I got to say, it's though... Just, 
it's been fantastic to hear from uh, both both Jonathan and a couple other folks. I think the I want to give a sh- another shout out. Uh, it was uh, uh, Zero Hour. The Zero That's Hours. Sick. On that Twitter. is Jonathan. Oh, it is it. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's not. I think there's another. There is a Jonathan, isn't there? No, Jonathan is Zero Hour. No, 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 two, no. There's he has oh. two Twitter accounts. I'm oh, he does. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that because I know he's he's Gabriel Zeros on Twitter. I didn't realize he was um he was uh he was both. I'm pretty sure he's both. I could be wrong, but they both started following me at the exact same time. The Zero Hours, I think, is a podcast. It's a, a web blog. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, both both those folks, whether they are the same person or not, maybe they can clear that up for us. Uh, internet is weird. It's it's hard to tell who's who these days. But uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for the support. There's been some very active conversations uh, on Facebook with uh, listeners. So if you want to go to uh, check that out, facebook.com slash zombies ain't my podcast. Uh, but Jonathan is also a new patron over at patreon.com slash zombies ain't my podcast. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate when people go to our Patreon and uh, subscribe a little bit from anything from a dollar to whatever. There's rewards. Uh, there are different goals we're trying to meet. Um, right now we are just $2 shy from our monthly video game stream. And I've actually had a few people reach out to us and ask what video games we play. And, you know, our go-to is usually left for dead, but we're more than welcome to take suggestions. Just send them over to us. We're so close. If you want to see that monthly stream, uh, just go over to patreon.com slash zombies, a podcast, shoot us a $2 donation, and we will start those monthly streams. And there's lots of awesome goals. If you appreciated our, uh, uh, zombie, uh, uh, or, uh, what's the word? RPG, D and D. Ryan goes to the movies. All kinds of fun stuff. There are a lot of great goals. Go to Patreon.com/slash/ZombiesAintMyPodcast. You can also go to Alpha Geek Radio and tune in live. We record live Wednesdays at 9:30 p.m. Eastern. You can catch the show live. Uh, we try to record every Wednesday. Sometimes things get in the way. But just follow us at, uh, on Twitter, at Zombies Podcast, and you will find out when we go live, because that's where I usually post it. Lou, that's been an episode. Thank you so much for, uh, for hanging out and talking about the zombies. It's been good times. Yes, it has. Yeah, and uh, if you want to find out more zombies and listen back to our archive, you can go to zombiesatemypodcast.com. Email us like Jonathan did. Info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, like we mentioned, Facebook, Google+. If you want to find individual hosts and maybe tell me how good uh, fire extinguisher nunchucks are, you can follow me at R. Murphy, Lou at Busy Zombie Lord, and Bob at Bobbert F. Finally, a quick shout-out to Joel Duggan for the artwork at joelduggan.com. He and I are working on a revamped website for Zombies Ate My Podcast, trying to aim for our four-year anniversary. We might miss it. But we're definitely aiming for uh, the big push for Negan's return. That might be our secondary goal. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And, Lou, I will leave you with the parting words for our fine listeners. Chris needs to die. (laughs) Dark. Very dark, but uh, well said. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.